Welcome to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise for what he's done. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. And this kind of awakens you how, how precious life is. How precious every day. Every day is a gift. Every day, even in the presence of the Lord, even in our time of worship here today, that God meets us. Come on, how many of you feel like God met you today already in the presence of the Lord? And you know, I I, I get happy is because I kind of hear what I'm singing to my soul. I'm hearing what my mouth, have you ever like just had that revelation that what you're declaring to God, you kind of hear what you're saying and then your spirit and your soul catches up. That's why you look at Rochelle and you're like, what's wrong with that crazy lady? but I love it because I know what she's talking about. It's like, it's like you want to take off in the, in the presence of the Lord because it's, uh, that's how real God is, that we can, what, have communion with him, that we can walk with him and in his presence. And so today we're going to get back into our Philippian story, our, our, our Philippian series, I should say. So open, crack open your Bible, get out your electronic Bibles, stay off of Instagram and whatever else you're on, but get into the Bible app and crack it open to Philippians chapter 3. We are st- we've been in Philippians since January. Bless the Lord. And everywhere else we've been. But how many you know, we're going to continue to go through. And Jesus said, come on, he said, when the devil came and tempted him in the wilderness, when he was fasting for 40 days, and the devil says, if, if thou be, come on, how many of you know that's the lie of the devil? When the devil comes and says, if God really loves you or if God was really real, then why did this happen? How many of you guys say, why, Lord? Why, 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 why? And so Jesus said, he says, if you're the son of God, then you can cast these stones and make them into bread. And Jesus says, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And the word of God is what? The sword of the spirit. Come on, the word of God is alive. Hebrews chapter 4 says the the word of God is alive. It's it's sharper than a two-edged sword. How many of you guys carry knives in here? Don't don't raise your hand. No. Uh, how many of you guys carry a gun? Don't raise your hand. No. Uh, don't worry. We got some people packing right now. Don't worry. You're protected. You're protected. In the old areas, they carried knives. In this day, we carried guns. Right, Pastor Porsche? No, I'm going to get But come on. You guys lighten up. But the word of God is our weapon. But we don't, we don't think of it that way. But how many of you guys, come on. How many of you guys, we don't like to fight, but we're in a fight. And we don't war. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Those are patterns of thought and everything that would try to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. How many of you guys, how many of you guys ever had to snatch down your brain is just off in left field somewhere? And you had to, how many had some thoughts that ran through your brain? You just knew they weren't of God. They may have been from your flesh or the devil. And you were like, that's not of God. And so the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to what? To snatching down strongholds strongholds and throwing them down and using the word of God. That's why it's important. I know everyone, hopefully you took a shower last night or this morning and we all love, we, we all love that washing. And that's why the, the, the word of God is so refreshing to us because it washes us. The washing of the water of the word, as it says in the book of Ephesians. And so the writer of Hebrew says it's sharper than a two-edged sword and it divides between Uh, soul and spirit and joint and marrow and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart 
Come on, that's pretty scary, huh? I mean, that's like pretty powerful, like God. And it says, there's nothing hidden from his sight in whom we all must give an account. And how many know you think about our lives is that all of us are going to face this transition of, of facing God and being with God. And that's why when you go to heaven, hopefully it's not a surprise. Hopefully you wanted to be there. Like, I don't, I like, like, when you go to heaven, you're like, you should be like, I wanted to be here. I wanted to be. It wasn't a surprise that I'm in heaven. And, and, and because you know why? You have heaven inside of you right now. And heaven is working inside of you. You have an eternal reality inside of you right now. That's why when you get to heaven, it's not going to be a surprise. You're going to know Jesus is going to know you. You're going to know like you're known. And it's going to be glorious because we get to experience heaven right now. Thank you, Jesus. Say thank you for heaven. Come on, say come thy kingdom. Come thy kingdom. Come on, church. Come thy kingdom. Be done thy will. In my earth, slap yourself. Come on, in my earth. As it is in heaven, as it is in heaven, Lord, let the reality of heaven. And so we're still in chapter 3. If we can uh, put up verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Uh, well, you're not going to get there. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll take you through it. Thank you, Sherry. Can you guys give our media team a, a warm <laughs> applause and welcome? They work hard to keep us. But Pastor Portia preached again, and I wasn't able to touch this, but the last time we preached, we were in chapter 2. And how many of you guys remember the 40-day challenge? Do all things without murmur and complaining that you might be children of light, holding on to the word of life, holding firm to the word of life, that you might shine in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. How many of you know that the, the world outside, the, we're getting brighter and brighter and lighter and clarity. The world is darker and darker. How many of you know there's crookedness and there's perversion? And sometimes it's still in the church a little bit because we're human and we, we, we deal with that. But the word says that there is a crooked and perverse generation out there. And so, but by doing that is by keeping, I think sometimes I need to baptize my tongue afresh. I mean, maybe not just pastor, maybe not just you, but pastor, how many guys need your tongue baptized in, in, because James says it's like a fire. It's like a fire set on hell. It says it, it says it, it says that little member, but thank you, Pastor Portia for, for bringing us through that. But there were so many key scriptures and Paul was writing this book of Philippians and it's a book of joy. And it's a book of salvation. And even as he's in prison and he, and he birthed this church, this church was birthed out of Acts 16 when they were in jail and they were singing praises, him and Paul and Silas, and they started praising God. You guys remember we kind of started that, and that was the foundation that out of imprisonment, out of something that looked terrible, they were, in, they were confined in the natural, but they were not confined in the spirit. And they says, God, there's no limits in you. And so they just started to worship and praise, and God just lifted the limits and broke open the door. So my prayer today is say, Lord, lift every limitation off of your people today. Lift it off of us. And so we thank you for your word today. So let's pick it up in verse one. We're going to go through this. I'm going to give you some word today. I just, I love it and I read it and I, I hope it blesses you as it much as me, but it says this finally, come on. How many, you know, some, some preachers have like three finallys. Maybe I'll just have one finally. It's just this verse here. But it says, my brethren, that's you. It says to rejoice in God. And you know what that means? It says to look up. Rejoice just means to look up. 
That's what the word rejoicing means. It doesn't mean to feel all happy because sometimes you don't feel all happy. Sometimes you feel like, you know, miserable in the outside. But guess what? We know we can look up. And so my, my question to you is who are you looking at? What are you beholding? What are you allowing to caption not just the natural eye but the eye of your heart? What are we looking at and what are we beholding? And not just what are we beholding but what are we hearing? How many know you and I have to filter what we see, especially what we see? Come on, in our generation, you can see anything. If you want to see it, you can see it. But how many know you have the ability and the authority and the, the power of the Holy Spirit to guide what you look at? Job said, I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes that I will not behold any wicked thing. And so what we behold and what we look at, how many know that we can look and see in the eyes of the Spirit and we can behold? And so Paul says this, it says to rejoice. And so not just what are we looking at, but who are we looking at? Who are we looking at? Come on, just close your eyes and say, Jesus, beholding you, I'm transformed into your image, into your likeness, Lord, when I, when I see you. That's why even in our time of worship, we, we see you, we exalt you, we, we join with the angels, we enter into the heaven's throne room, Lord, and Lord, the eyes of our spirit, man, are opened, Lord, and we behold you, and Lord, we're transformed by that same image from glory to glory by your presence, and so Lord, help us, Lord, we want to look at you, Lord, that your beauty Lord, and we want to hear you. We want to silence all of the other voices, Lord. And so rejoicing in the Lord, rejoicing, rejoicing is keeping our eye gaze lifted, keeping our eyes gaze lifted up, Lord. So, Lord, cause your presence, Lord, cause your face to shine upon us. Now look at somebody or declare say to look up. Say, get up. Arise and shine for your light has come. Isaiah 61, it says, why are you living underneath your circumstances? Or why are you living under the circumstances or the depression which they want to keep you? Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon me. I don't know about you, but sometimes I have to remind myself that God is with me. Come on, how many of you guys feel like, man, God, if you're with me, where are you? I don't feel you sometimes, but you have to remind yourself. And so sometimes just getting into the word and reading it and say, Lord, let me meditate upon it. Let me think about it. What are you, what are you telling me? What are you reading into me? And so it says it again and again and again to arise and shine. And he says this, for me to keep telling you this may seem elementary or tedious, but for you, it's for your benefit. And I shared this last week. Sometimes, how many of you guys repeat yourself a little bit? And all the time, someone said all the time. And I know kids say, man, my mom always, they always tell me the same thing. And Portia was like, this is the key. This is the key. If you don't want to hear it over and go, just, just before they say it, just do what they're telling you. This is really for the, they're not all in here, but this is maybe for the, this is for Monty and the junior hires up there. Just, come on, how many parents you got? You got to repeat yourself to your kids. I'm not, I'm keeping, I'm closing my eyes. I'm looking at any kids or any parents, but you guys know what I'm talking about? And then sometimes I do that because I feel like I'm not being heard. But, but Paul and Peter says, I write to you and remind you of this because I want to stir you up by way of remembrance. How many of us, as we're getting a little bit older, I was with somebody the other night and they had a great long-term memory. But they had a terrible short-term memory. Don't, no hands, no hands, no hands, no hands. I'm not looking at anybody. But 
So he's writing, he says, I need to tell you this. And aren't you thankful that God tells us something? He brings us back to our foundation. So this is what Paul says. He says, I want to stir you up by reminding of you where you came from. And then I also want to ask you, what are you looking back to? What are we looking back to? What are we looking back? Are we looking back to God's faithfulness? That's what the children of Israel, that's why they built altars. That's why there was memorial stones. That's why there was historical significance because they look back upon God's faithfulness to generation to generation. And sometimes we look back and we have to guard our heart and guard our memory because sometimes we, there's, some, there's some pain in the past. Right. There's some pain back there. There's some there's some ugly. There's some disappointment. There's some violation. There's some contradiction. There's some betrayal. And so we, we can look back. But let the faithfulness of God bring us into now. And we look ahead into his promises, into his faithfulness. And hopefully it causes us to stay thankful. Because I can complain. And so. Then he goes on to this next verse in chapter 2, and I'm going to keep going because we're going to go verse by verse. And so he says to them, the Paul's writing, he says to watch out, be alert in the next verse. He says beware three times. He says beware of the dogs. I could title this, who let the dogs out? Or who brought Kratos to church? No. But it says beware of the dogs, beware of evil people, and beware of people that are religious. Beware of people that want to, that's what it was. It says, it may say mutilation. That's what people that want to cut you. Remember that? What was that thing? She says, I will cut you. What was that crazy thing? She said, I, anyhow, I, I, you know, Portia puts these crazy videos. Our kids, they come show me these TikTok videos. And anyhow, but that's what Paul was talking. He said, beware of evil people. Beware of dogs. And beware of people that want to cut you with religion. And so three people to be aware of. And it's because... They wanted to keep the people in bondage. But then Paul goes on and he uses this, and we'll expound on this as we trans transition through this passage of Philippians chapter 3. In verse 3 of 3, 3, 3, I like that number, 3, 3, he says, For we are the circumcision, or we are the people that really have been cut. That's what he says. And he says, we are the circumcision. He uses this term, meaning one, what he's saying, he says, we are really the people of covenant. He says, we are the ones that really have been cut in our heart, not just in our flesh. We've had a true circumcision, and that's why we can call ourselves the true people of covenant, not necessarily if you are Jew, but even now to the Gentiles. And so if you don't know this covenant, that's why covenant is so important. Covenant, God made a covenant with Adam. He made a covenant with Noah. He made a covenant with Abraham. He made a covenant with Moses. He made a covenant with David. And I know I'm missing somebody. And then he made, I think that's it. I don't know. I'm, I, it's been a long time since I was in Bible college. But anyhow, then he made a new covenant with Jesus. We celebrated that today at the communion table. Because all of those other covenants were, were man working it out. But in the new covenant, the sixth covenant, I believe, Six is the number of man. God says, you know what? I'm just going to move your flesh out of the way because you, you, in the flesh, you're, you're going to fail. And so he says, you know what? When he makes the new covenant, it says, I'm going to take out the heart of stone, Jeremiah chapter 31 or 33, somewhere in Jeremiah. He says, I'm going to take out the heart of stone and put in the heart of flesh. 
I'm going to write my words in my law. That's why you can read the Bible. That's why you can know the Bible. Some people say, I can't read the Bible. I, you know what? I need that word. You need it because it's life. It's God's word. You need, you can't just have the spirit. You have to have the word. You can't just be a one-winged bird. Otherwise, you're going to flap around and do circles and get dizzy. And so he says, I'm going to write my laws and my words upon your heart and your mind. And you know what it says? It says, and all people can know me. That's what it says. It says all, in, in Jeremiah, it says, and this is what they, it says, all people. That's why it's okay for you to witness. People know about God. People are created in God's image. And we think, oh, people, I'm afraid to talk to people about God. Don't you know that inside of their creative DNA, they're made in an image, and they can try to hide, they can try to run, they can try to get, be an atheist, they can try to get high and cuss and fuss and do all the crazy things and say, I don't know about God, I hate God, there is no God, but they can't deny it. Even if you're an atheist, if you try to prove it, you believe in evolution, you can try all these lies. How about at the very intrinsic nature of humanity and the world? God created the heavens and the earth, and he created you in his image. And so no matter what God try, man tries to do to fight against God and silence his truth, don't you know in the DNA of our creation, it says there's God. There's God. There's God. There's God. And so, I don't know, God is screaming right now. Come, let him scream through you. Come on, because you scream a little. Scream at me. Come on, scream at me. God's truth is marching on. And God's, it says that the kingdoms of this world are going to be the, become the kingdoms of our God. All the mountains, all the kingdoms, whether it's, it's a, a, a kingdom of education or media or government or finance, all the other kingdoms of this world are the, going to become the kingdoms because, I mean, you know, Jesus is the king. He's the king. And so he says, we're the circumcision we're the ones that truly have been cut by God. Now, I'm going to take you back. Turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. We're going to, we're going to spend some time. Don't worry. Slap yourself if you're getting tired. Drink some water. Swallow. Do something. Get up. Jump up. Run around if you feel sleepy. But in Genesis chapter 15, I love this. I love it. I love it. And last week when we had the water baptism in, in Colossians chapter 2, it says there is a circumcision that's made without hands. And it's, it's when we went down, remember, in curtain number two to your right, my left up here, that water, that, that tank, that's, that's the tank of burial. And when people went down in the waters of baptism, there was a spiritual circumcision. We don't do natural circumcision, but it signifies something that God does because how many of you know our flesh needs to be cut? And our flesh needs to be killed, and it needs to be dealt with, right? And so God says, you are the circumcision. And there is a circumcision by the Spirit. Aren't you glad that God wants to refresh you where he's brought you from and where he's taking you? And so we continue to walk in newness of life, that we can die, we can keep. How many of you guys got some issues with the flesh? Both of my hands are up, and we have to keep them under. And so we want to say, no, we're going to dominate. We're going to dominate over our flesh by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. And so in Genesis chapter 15, listen to this story, because this is where the first, well, I shouldn't say the first covenant, but it's the covenant that God made with Abraham. And I love this. And I don't know if we could show it up there, Sarah. Maybe we can jump uh, because I don't see, well, I see some Bibles and I see some, but this is, this is good. We're going to take our time. I love this. And it says, after these things, 
Aren't you glad that God will meet you in the after? Whatever that after is. It says the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. We're in verse 1. And he says, Abraham, do not be afraid, for I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. How many of you guys got some buts? All of us. But, but Abraham said, Lord, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abraham said, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one, indeed, one born in my house is, is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this one shall not be of your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. So lay your, health, your hands on yourself. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for making me productive. Thank you for multiplication. Thank you causing a birthing to come upon my life. And I like this because it takes us back to verse 1 of Philippians 3. It says, then God brought him outside and said, look up. He says, look up, Abraham. He says, look now to heaven and count the stars if you're able to number and count them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. And what did Abraham do? It says, Abraham believed God. He believed God. He says he just believed the word. How many of you know when God speaks something to you? Well, I don't care. You can say, I believed it and it was going to happen. If God said it, that settles it. It doesn't matter if you believe or I believe. How many of you know if God speaks a word, whether our unbelief or our doubt is there, how many of God speaks, it's settled. God's word is settled in heaven. And But he believed, and because he believed, it says it was accounted to him as righteousness. That's how you and I are righteous. We just believe what God says. Look at your neighbor and say, keep believing. Come on, say, get the doubt out. Get the how out. Get the hell out. Whatever other thing that wants to keep you from God, get it out. Say, make room for faith. How I many you know, come on, sometimes faith, faith comes by here. How I many you know, just like faith can come, faith can go. Right? We can be strong in faith. We can have weak faith. We can have little faith. There could be no faith or there could be great faith. There's different levels of our faith. And so I'm stirring your faith. And at the end of this message today, you're going to be strengthened even more in your faith. And so look what God does. This is something in covenant that I learned from my uncle, Jim Garlow, is when people made covenant with one another, they would say, your enemies are my enemies. Your armies are my armies. Your family's my family. Your money's my money. And there's some others that they would do. And so cutting covenant or making covenant with families, it was, not, was, a, was an Asian or an Eastern term that we don't really understand in our Western culture. But back then, making a covenant, people made covenant with families. That's how they got stronger. Nations made covenant and what they would do. But then there had to be something had to die. So there had to be some blood. Everyone says there had to be some blood. And then this is something else they would do. They would, this is what they would do in, in ancient times. They would actually exchange sons. They would take their youngest son and say, to make sure that you're going to be a man of your word and I'm going to be a man of, of my word, 
my youngest son is going to go live in your family, and your youngest son is going to live in my family. That's how serious it was. So now that takes it to another level because now they're, they're like, we're serious about this thing. Come on, I don't know how many mothers went on to give up their little baby. Come on, come on. No, don't take him. Don't take, don't take Benjamin. But, right, come on. We got some mothers in here. I got some grandma. I know, I know Pastor Portia wouldn't be giving up our grandson for anyone. But anyhow, but look what happens in this ceremony because we don't understand this sometimes in verse 7. And he reminds them what he did for them. And I'm going to take my time. I don't care if I get through it, but we're going to take our time. In verse 10, then he said, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I'm going to inherit it? And so this is what he does to make the covenant. He says, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought these to him and cut them in two. Everyone said they had to be a cut. He cut them down the middle, and it was bloody. Down the middle, and he did not cut the birds. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. Come on, how many of you know you got some demons you got to keep out of your life? How many of you know you got, when, when God is doing something special inside of you, when God is going to take you to a new place, how many of you know there's some demons that want to come and, and pull you back and not let what God wants to do something new inside? And so Abraham, but look what Abraham, well, look what God does. He says, okay, Abraham, thank you for driving away the demons, but now I need to do something to you. In verse 12, he says, and when the sun was going down, God put a deep sleep upon Abram. It's kind of like what he did to Adam when he wanted to bring forth Eve. He was like, you can't do this. Just, you just need to sit down and go to sleep. I just got a word for you. Some of, some of you guys, go to sleep. Go to sleep. Sleep good. Let God, let God stop, stop, getting, stop getting in the way. How many of you guys get in the way of God? God not get in the way. And so he says, no, certainly that, look, look, now this is what God does. This is how amazing God is because this is 500 years before or even more. And God starts to prophesy about his son, Israel. And Israel is not just the man, Jacob. Israel is the entire nation. And so God, in his, in his foreknowledge, he starts to declare a prophetic declaration over Abraham and who he's going to be. And he said, Abraham, now know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. And they're going to be slaves. And they will serve them. And, and they will be afflicted 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. And afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. That's why when I do the, sometimes you hear me preaching or talking when we do the covenant meal, when we do the communion, and I share that it's a table of remembrance, it's a table of new beginning, it's a table of protection, and then it's also a table of financial blessing. It comes right from this verse right here. Because this is what God says. You're going to come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, that's 400 years. I guess back then that generation was 100 years. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it, complete. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that, behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch. 
that pass between the pieces. And what that means is they took the ram, they took the goat, they took the heifer, they had it in the past, but in the old days, you and you, the person you were making covenant, you had to walk between them and says, we are serious about this. We're walking through what has been sacrificed for us. And so there was a walking through, and that was one of the customs of making covenant. And so the smoking uh, torch and the oven, these are a theophany. And these are pictures of God the Father and Jesus the Son saying, you know what, Abraham, you are a descendant of Adam. And in your flesh, you can't do it. So me and my boy Jesus here and the power of the Holy Spirit, we are going to do something to make a covenant together. We're going to make this covenant. And this thing that we're doing together, the Father and the Son, it's a picture of what's going to happen 4,000 years later when Jesus goes to the cross. And this is what this is a picture of. This is how powerful the word of God is. This is how, how revelatory and prophetic God's word is. And so that's what happened. And on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. And he says this to them. Now, let's go to chapter 17 for the sake of time. We got eight minutes. And then maybe I'll have to get back to it. I know you're hungry. I hear some of your stomachs growling. But so here it is. So God starts this covenant, but then he says this is going to be the sign. So God made the covenant with himself because how many of you know the covenant with man, we always fail. And so God says, you know what? I'm not a man that I should lie. And so I guess, guess what? There's no one else I can look around, so I'm just going to swear by myself. Have you ever read the scripture? God couldn't find anyone. He says, I'm just going to, I'm going to talk to myself and says, you know what? Uh, the father spoke to the son and said, hey, let's do this. And they spoke and they were in agreement. The father, the son, the Holy Ghost, three in one. And they said, we're going to do this for all of humanity because we know that there is a way that we can make for us to restore humanity back to the original intention of the Edenic covenant what it was in eden that's why pastor mike i must just can i share some of the secret sauce pastor mike pastor mike is, has the diet of going back to eden look at your neighbor and say go back to eden go back to eden go back into creation the the creative order that's the creative order rather we live in the redemption the redemptive order is what god did after the cross to redeem us but how many know the reason god redeem us the cross redeems us it's to redeem us from the old and bring us back into the new which was in his creative order so we can walk with god how many abraham walked with god he walked with god in the cool of the day that's why he knew how to to name all the animals he didn't have to think about it he just how I many you know he was just in communion with God? And then the devil showed up. And Abraham wasn't taking care of his girl. I mean, uh, thank you, Adam. I don't know what he was doing. He was playing with the animals, and he wasn't taking care of Eve. I don't know. But he wasn't taking care of business. But aren't you glad that God, Jesus, comes and, and redeems him? So verse chapter 17, let me, let, me, let me stop fooling with you and keep preaching. But chapter 17, verse 1, it says, and Abraham was 99 years old. So if you think you're old, you're not old. Say, I'm not old. Come on. Say, keep it moving. Keep it moving. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on. Pastor Mike said, I'm going to live to 120. 
That's right. Come on. Say, keep it moving. Let's go. Let's go. So it says, Abraham was, I know someone's like, man, that's old. The Lord appeared to him and said, I'm the Lord Almighty of the Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make a covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him. I could stop right there and just preach that verse. You know, if you just get on your face before God and just allow him to quiet you from the madness, quiet you from you, quiet you from the world, and quiet you, that God will talk to you. Some people say, how do I hear God? You can hear him. He'll talk with you. God's talking. But it's in a place of getting on our face. That's what worship, Word, worship means to get low, to get to bow and to kiss. That's what worship is. And so the, the essence of our worship is what we see Abraham did. It said he bowed down. He got on his face, and God spoke to him and talked to him. I'm just throwing that in. If you want to hear from God, just get alone with him and say, Lord, I want to hear you. Quiet my spirit, man. Quiet my flesh. Quiet my soul. Quiet the noise. Quiet the voices. Quiet the emotion. And as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And you will be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name will be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. See, what happens is when you get before God and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there's a transformation in your character. And then he changes your name and he puts the ah upon you. And that's now he says, now you're ready to reproduce. Now you're ready to be fruitful. And what does he do? He says, Abraham, your wife's name, Sarah, is not going to be called Sarah. It's going to be Sarah. And it all came from the power of the Holy Spirit by him just saying, God, I want to be with you. And I want to worship. How many of you guys says, Lord, I need, I need my name changed? Come on, pastors, I need, my, I, need to be, I need my name changed. I need my character changed. And he says, then he says this. Somewhere here. Verse 7, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generation for an everlasting covenant to God for you and your descendants after you. And then he says, I'm going to give you this. And then here it says, this was in the Old Testament. Thank, how many of you guys are glad you're in the new? I hear some people say, man, I wish I was in the Old Testament. I just want to kill somebody. I like that judgment. Come on, how many of you guys ever said, I like that judgment. You know, God just wiped them out. You guys remember uh, James and John, they were with Jesus, and Jesus was preaching, and they, the town didn't respond, and James and John was like, kill them, Lord. Call down fire. Just, and Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. You're of that old, Old Testament. You're... And so here's, this is the covenant. This is the covenant. Everyone said the covenant. He says, every, between me and you and your descendants, every male child among you shall be circumcised. Everyone say circumcised. Come on, that's not a, because circumcision, I know we, we in the old, um, we know it's something that happens and it's, it touches every male and it's a very, just think about that because it touches man and males in the most sensitive part of their body and those areas of, of, of sexuality and, and reproduction all those areas. How many know God wants to deal with? 
Come on, the, the very, the innermost being. How many of you know uh, David says, Lord, Lord, let there be truth in my inward parts. Let there be truth. Let there be integrity in my, in my loins. Come on, in your loins. Your loins is, is, come on, that's why we have the breastplate of righteousness and the, the belt of truth that guards our, our loins, our reproductive areas. And so this was the outward sign is that every male child shall be, there shall be some blood. There shall be some cutting. Come on, everyone say, I'm going to cut you. Say, let God cut you today. Let him cut us because we need to we need him to cut us because our heart, our heart becomes hardened. Right. Proverbs says to guard your heart. Right. With all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. And so guarding our heart, we say, Lord, keep my heart tender, keep it pliable before you. And so he says, he who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. every male child. He verse 13, he who was born in your house and he who was brought with money shall be circumcised for my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Come on, lay your hands. Say, Lord, say, Lord, thank you. Thank, thank you for touching my body today with covenant. Lord, with circumcision, cut me. Thank you, Jesus. And then Paul goes on. We can do this. Let's do this because we're going to end with the song. I'm going to speed it up here. But I had to share this because, because Paul says that we are the circumcision. He makes this declaration. We're the ones that have been touched by the Spirit of God. We are the ones that had our heart cut. Our heart was cut out, the old that was cut out, the stony. And God put something new inside of us. And we know God. We walk with God. We hear his voice. We can know his will. We are that truth. We are the spiritual Israel. So we worship God in the spirit, verse 3, and we joy, rejoice in Christ Jesus. And then he says, and we have no confidence in our flesh. Now, here we go. Now we're going to pick it up. Everyone say, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. And then he says this in, in verse 4. He says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if we can go back to Philippians 3, verse 4, then he's talking about himself. And he says, though I might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I have more confidence. And so he breaks it down. He says, I'm going to talk about myself. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. So he goes back and he starts bragging about who he was of the stock of Israel. He starts bragging about his race, his race and his nationality. He deals with his race. And his nationality, whatever color, whatever race, he deals with that. And then he says, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. He deals with his class and position. Let me talk about Benjamin. Now, Benjamin, you're going to realize, Benjamin was the 12th son of Jacob. Go back into Genesis. I'm going to take you back to Genesis because I like it and I want to. Okay. It's back in Genesis. I think it's in chapter 35. So here it was. Jacob, he has two wives, Leah and Rachel, and Rachel was barren. And you guys know the story but for the sake of time. And so Rachel gives birth to Joseph, and then that's, that was her 11th son, Joseph. There were two children born to Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin. And so there's a whole time going on. And then it shows 
They were on their way to Bethlehem. They, were, they left Bethel. I think this is Genesis 35. They left Bethel, and they were on the way to Bethlehem where it says Ephrata. And it says that Rachel was giving birth, and she was struggling and straining. She actually died when she gave birth to Benjamin, and she named him son of my sorrow. That's what she called him. But God says, no, 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 you're not going to call him that. I'm changing his name, and you're not going to call him son of my sorrow. You're going to call him the son of strength, the son of my right hand. That's what Benjamin, it means the son of my right hand, and she dies. And so Benjamin is the baby of the family. How many guys are the baby of the family? Are you know the baby? And sometimes the baby gets away with murder. They get away with everything. They think they're the best. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, some babies, not, not all babies. But Benjamin was the baby, and you know why Back in, as the story goes, when Joseph gets put in prison, when, when Joseph tells Jacob, hey, bring me Benjamin, Jacob is like, no, don't, you can't take Benjamin. He's the favorite. He's the baby. So here is Paul. He's bragging about his race and how, not just his race, his class. He's like, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm of the tribe of strength. So he's bragging about this is if I want to talk about my strength, this is I got strength in the flesh. I'm the favorite of Rachel. Mama died when she had me. I deserve special treatment. I'm the favorite. I'm the son of the right hand. I'm strong. He says, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Then he says, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He starts dealing with his position and his identity. He goes back and he says, Abraham is my daddy. Then he says, concerning the law, I'm a Pharisee. And so he deals with his passion, something that he was just mad about, something that drove him, something that he felt was his purpose in life, something he felt like this is what I live for. Yeah, I love God, but this thing drives me. This is something that makes me angry and mad. This is something that this is my work. This is my career. This is my spiritual duty. Then he goes on and he says, and concerning the zeal, to please God, I'm just going to kill people. I just kill people that didn't believe in like I believe. That's what he says. I persecuted the church. So he dealt with all these areas. He dealt with his nationality. He dealt with his class. He dealt with his position. He dealt with his spiritual work. He dealt with his passion. And then he deals with his person. He says, concerning the righteousness which is of the law, I'm blameless. He was full of himself. Or he could have been. But he says, no, 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 no. He says, so if anybody wants to brag about being strong, he says, but in verse 7, but these things that were gained, Daniel, if you can come back to the piano, Daniel, if you're still, he says, but the things that were gained to me, all these things I've counted loss for Christ. All the things. All the things that were gained to me, and I'm going to ask you, church, what are you looking to gain? What is our path? What are we looking for to gain? Are we looking to gain a husband, a wife, a career, more money? What, what, is, what's, what are we looking for that we think, if I gain this, if I have this, this is going to fulfill me? And there's nothing wrong with those pursuits. But Paul says, all the things that I think are going to be gained to me, I have a choice. And it doesn't mean because to me, it's better to have the giver than just the gifts. And if we're looking for the gifts, 
If we're just looking for the gifts and what we're going to get. But if I have the giver, that's why Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all these things will be added to you. And so he says, all these things that I've counted loss in verse 8. Yet, yes, I indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish, or I count them as garbage, or I count them as dung. I count them as something that doesn't even compare that I may gain Christ Jesus. And he says, and to be found in him. Verse 9. See, it's not an issue if God can find you. The issue, can you find God? God can find you anywhere. God will find you out in a split second. The issue is, are you found in him? There's a difference. There's a difference between God finding you and you finding him. And Paul says, I want to be found in him. I know God can find me. I know God can touch me. But I want to be found in him. Is that your prayer today? Say, Lord, I want to I dwell with you. I want to walk with you. I want to be found in your presence. I want to be back with you. I want to be found in you, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law or of the flesh, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes by God through faith, that I might know him, that I might know him, that I might know him. That was Maria's prayer. She says, I want to know him. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I've already known him in the fellowship of my sufferings. I've been conformed to his death that I might also attain to the resurrection of the dead. How many know that was our cry? That's our cry. That was Paul's cry. And that's why Paul said back in Philippians chapter 2, he says, I'm torn between this craziness. You know, there's part of me that wants to be in heaven, but then there's also part of me that wants to stay here with you. And I know I need to stay here because my work is not done, and I need to stay here because God. But really, there's a tug between heaven and earth. I want to be there. I want to experience resurrection because I have resurrection working inside of me. But there's also some death and some suffering inside of me and I feel like I'm just torn. Have you ever felt like you're going crazy sometimes? That's good. You're in good company. You're in good company. But this was his prayer that I might know him. And we're going to end with this song. I thought of this song and then we're just going to pray that God would just circumcise our heart afresh. If you want to just stand to your feet, we're going to sing this song. The song is titled Knowing Jesus. It's an older song. It says, All I've once held dear, built my life upon. All this world reveres and wars to own. All I once thought gain, I have counted loss, spent and worthless now, compared to Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit EncounterJesus.us or search for Encounter Church San Leandro in your app store.